Matt Levy is a world-class athlete. He's a swimmer and his achievements include gold medals at the Olympics, Commonwealth Games and World Championships. He's also spent 10 years working at Westpac as a change analyst and then a business implementation manager. For overseas listeners, Westpac is one of Australia's largest banks and employs over 37,000 people. Matt is also a motivational speaker and has one of the largest LinkedIn networks I've ever seen. He just mentioned uh, before we jumped on air that it was 27,000, did you say? Uh, Well, close enough, 26,000 and a bit. 26,000 connections. Um, Matt and I initially met a few years ago when we connected about working together while I was at a previous job. So it's great to reconnect with you now. Um, I really want to pick your brain on a few points and also give our audience some exposure to some of the work that you do. So first up, it's 2020. It's a new year for us. We're in January. This is the first week of our our working week, our working year. Um, New year, first podcast. Can we talk about goal setting for the year? You're an athlete, but also a corporate worker, and you're a bit of an expert in this area. So (laughs) I'm going to ask, how do you go about setting your goals for the year? Yeah, I think for me, I guess for 2020, um, I'm looking towards Tokyo uh, later in the year. Um, So for me, I kind of, I guess, look at what I've got on and what I guess I want to achieve. Um, I want to potentially make my fifth Paralympic Games, so I kind of have to really kind of set where I want to be and how I want to get there. I guess from a sporting sense, it's um, difficult because you don't actually set. We're not actually setting goals. We don't actually set goals at the beginning of the year uh, for a Paralympics. It's more like a four-year cycle. Yeah. Um, so I'd be setting, um, wanting to go to a Paralympic Games about four years out. So after the previous games in 2016. Um, but um, yeah, I, I still set mini goals, and um, every kind of session I turn up to, I kind of look to improve um, on the the last session, and um, whether it's technique, whether it's uh, my attitude, whether it's uh, certain strokes, I kind of um, always kind of set um, sub goals um, to my um, my my big goals. Um, as I mentioned, I've got I'm going to um, potentially going to my fifth Paralympic Games. So I've got trials in June, um, so that's one of my big goals. And um, I'm also starting an MBA, so I'll be hopefully finishing that end of the year. Um, but um, yeah, it's really about I guess prioritizing what's I guess important and what is um, important in life in, in general um, because, yeah, you can get a lot um, of stuff happening and um, your mind and um, can get really cluttered, I guess, with um, things going left and things going right. And, um, yeah, it's really, I guess, about uh, thinking of, I guess, what's um, what you want and what you want to get out of it and um, how you can kind of add value um, because, yeah, I guess at the end but of the do you, day... Do you sit down with someone to go through those goals and say, uh, like, okay, June is our trials, when are the Tokyo Olympics? Uh, so September. September, yeah. So do you sit down with someone and, and go, how are we tracking... Do you have, like, a mentor for your whole of life, someone who can cover your swimming and your work and your MBA? Uh, no, not really. Like, it's, like everyone, it's all kind of separate. And, like, in terms of the mentor side of things, it's really uh, up to, I guess me as an individual to kind of source out those kind of people and um, I try and kind of learn from people um, as, who, who I meet along the way um, whether it's good, bad and different and kind of um, get a bit of understanding of how uh, how, how what makes them tick and um, yeah like I said uh, I'm 33 uh, on Saturday and um, yeah it's really about I guess um, getting a sense of uh, 
Well, you've been yeah. doing this for a long time then. Yeah. So if you're going to go to your fifth Olympics. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, it's really bad, I guess, like taking bits and pieces from everyone kind of that you meet. Um, but um, yeah, I do I have like my coach that um, that I uh, that, that trains me and um, I train for squad and that kind of stuff. So I do like I guess assess goals um, from that aspect and um, yeah, from a MBA and, and work life perspective, like you've got your manager, you've got um, people that um, you work with um, on a daily basis for um, education side of things. So there's like a lot of different I guess people um, that can actually help you like uh, on career. Uh, yeah. progression and career direction and um yeah like may not necessarily be someone that's uh associated with that particular field but um i guess if you can kind of learn and understand something in a different way um it can hopefully help you um lead you in a you know a better and a more um valued path okay um I let's talk about that social media following. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that it was huge, and you're you're really using LinkedIn for some great things. I noticed that you're doing a lot of writing of inspiring, like inspirational quotes, um, and you even comment on things like topical things, like our current bushfire crisis here in Sydney and and in Australia, and directing people where to donate. How did you amass such a network and a following, and what's your aim using the platform? Um. I guess it was, I've been on LinkedIn for maybe nine years, so mm-hmm. a fair while, and I guess it was more of a, uh, a, um, a, a network and a following, I guess, that kind of morphed from, uh, I guess, the post that I posted, and um, it really kind of didn't kind of, uh, wasn't something that I kind of set out to do, it was more like kind of a evolving um, piece, yep. um, but um, yeah, in terms of like the posts that I post, I I tend to kind of look for uh, life um, posts and kind of uh, lessons that I've learned and kind of try and really uh, hone in on lessons I've learned during my life and kind of things that I feel is relevant to the general public because at the end of the day, I do a bit of swimming. Uh, I consume a few laps, but um, it's, um, yeah, it's really about, I guess, the lessons that I've learned more so than the achievements and the, the honours and all that kind of stuff. And... Um, yeah, I feel it uh, helps add value to, I guess, people's lives to kind of put a different perspective on um, what I've done because um, it's very easy to, I guess, show medals and uh, tell people achievements, but to actually uh, tell people, I guess, how you the lessons, the lessons you've learned through um, through those achievements and through those um, obstacles um, is um, totally different. And um, yeah, I, I I I use that as like a, I guess a platform to kind of uh, teach people, I guess, what I what I've done, and how I how I've done it, and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I guess it's it's funny, like LinkedIn. Like I I never tried to kind of get uh, amass a, a great following. It was more, I guess, posting um, uh, about my achievements and all that kind I of guess stuff. And it's, yeah, I guess what happens is that your I, I, because that's how I found you. Your story resonates. It's a it's a it's a unique story, and you come from like a different perspective I guess so as soon as you're sort of putting your lessons out there it's a different voice that you get to hear on to to get to see and follow on a professional platform because you're you're sort of teaching lessons from your point of view that people can apply to their work and their life more broadly yeah and that's I guess the the great thing about um, uh, sport like it's relatable to a lot of different uh, facets of of your life and I I found like my work at Westpac and um, 
my um, education and stuff, like, it's very translatable. Um, it's just a matter of, I guess, like, putting on a different hat. And, um, yeah, it's great. I guess I've been able to work in a corporate environment for so long. I've been able to, um, I guess, see the synergies. Um, athletes that are not as lucky as me that um, are just doing their sport, it, um, it's harder for them to kind of comprehend, I guess. Oh, that's a good point. Like, so, yeah, where there's um, professional athletes who don't, who get paid to do what they do full time, um, they also kind of miss the opportunity of also working at the same time. It's kind of like a catch twenty two. Yeah, it definitely is. But um, I guess obviously they uh, in those professional sports they're earning a lot of money, like more than what we earn <laughs> in a career. Yeah. But I guess you do, you don't you'd have a different perspective on life and how I guess the experiences kind of conjure up in yeah it's how you look at it I suppose yeah um now you with so a business implementation manager and an MBA and a swimmer what uh like this is you know we like to hear from uh, the people that we interview what sorts of technology they people use to throughout their day that makes things seamless so our platform is all about trying to have a connected experience, have a seamless user experience. So I wanted to ask you, what other technology are you using? So, like, what I find, I'd love an example where, you know, similar to LinkedIn, can you give us an example of something that maybe a lot of people use but they don't really know how to maximise, like, what you've done with LinkedIn? Um, I guess um, I guess having a disability and um, being vision impaired, I use um, magnification technology quite a lot. Um, so, like, on my iPhone... For example, or um, iPad, um, I can enlarge uh, text and I can enlarge um, the things I'm doing um, on a daily basis, which is um, great to be able to uh, to use and be able to, I guess, uh, use um, seamlessly and, I guess, not being able to uh, disrupt, I guess, my day and disrupt, I guess, what I'm trying to do. It, um, yeah, it allows me to, I guess, have a normal uh, working life and it allows me to, I guess... Um, do what I do and to be able to I guess do the best of my ability I think that was that's one like example I can kind of think of and mm-hmm. um, yeah it just makes like life a lot easier and um, I guess even just coming up um, here today um, we use the, the lifts and they're um, I guess accessible accessibility lifts I guess like um, mm-hmm. so they um, uh, tell you what what, um, what lift to go to and tell you what, what kind of floor to go to as well which is which is great and um, yeah, I think... Um, Are you finding that accessibility for vision-impaired people is topical, is, is, being, is, is being more and more recognised, like something that needs to go into interfaces and into technology? Or are you still finding a lot of challenges with, you know, having a vision impairment, there's just not enough things that are catered to you? Um, I think it's getting better. Like, there's, like, websites, most, most websites are accessible accessibility uh, uh, for um, and um, able to be accessed by um, vision impaired or blind users and um, yeah it's definitely got a ways to go um, they don't I guess a lot of the uh, a lot of the um, accessible options I guess that are that are around is not actually consulted um, with uh, a disability person or someone that um, has a has a um, a uh, limited um, ability um, mm-hmm. So I guess it's more about consulting with the, the right people because um, at the end of the day, the, the people creating uh, the apps or creating um, the uh, work functions um, potentially might not know 
um, the ins and outs of how um, someone with a disability uh, uses and and works on it in a daily environment, um, day in, day out. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's one thing that um, really needs to guess, guess changed. Like you need to kind of involve people um, with those conditions um, more readily in, in uh, the planning process. Yeah. But I, I agree. It would be nice to see a lot more of. Um, one of the things, I guess... When we talk about our technology in particular with ACA Engine and we talk about smart buildings and smart workplaces and then even smart cities and connectability and um, trying to make smart cities um, more accessible to everyone, really. And so we talk about this big user experience piece. So you have to really draw out the user journeys of how people use the space, use the bu- use the building, yeah. use the city. And your perspective is unique. I would assume that you've got plenty of friends with different types of disabilities, all of, yeah. you know, from spending um, the best part of 20 years in Paralympic sports. Yeah. Um, what can we, sort of, what can we learn? What, what, what? how do we get those points of view? What makes those points of view so unique and how do we get those into the the user experience kind of as we're mapping out these sort of how to make cities better? Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, like our experiences are pretty unique. Like we live day in, day out um, with um, whether it's um, limitations, conditions, um, different kind of uh, things that I guess are different to the norm. And um, yeah, it's really about, I guess, trusting the insights of someone that's, I guess, lived day in, day out um, with with um, that condition or, or that um, understanding, I guess, um, of something something different. Um, yeah, like I remember uh, going to school um, when I was um, in year five or six, so probably 11 or 12, and um, trying to navigate uh, a transport system in Sydney. And, um, yeah, it took me like a good six months to kind of try and work out the ins and outs of how to get through the QBV, for example. Um, so it's like really about, I guess, making sure that um, things are easy and readily available, I guess, to be able to uh, be used by people with um, with uh, limited um, physical, uh, mental, or um, or sensory conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, it's like it's it's difficult, I guess. Like you don't want to like involve people too too early but you don't want to involve people at the last second either which means that um all the kind of stuff's been signed off all the stuff's been done but um yeah it's really i guess being aware of um of what's around around us and being able to kind of understand things a bit more yeah cool um can we talk a little bit more about your particular disability what how did it how did the vision impairment come about yeah, so I'm. Um, I was born 25 weeks premature, um, so quite early. Um, I had a well, probably day five. I had a um, bleed on my brain, um, and um, consequently, I had um, a lung and heart operation pretty early on. Um, and um, yeah, I was born with uh, cerebral palsy, um, mm-hmm. so a neurological disability. And um, yeah, consequently, because of the, the oxygen, I guess they put me on in the early stages. Um, I um, became vision impaired, um, so basically I can see uh, two or three metres centrally um, and no peripheral vision, so I guess it's basically just like looking into a, into a tunnel. Um, but in terms of, I guess, my um, uh, cerebral palsy, it's um, really about doing a lot of therapy and kind of um, understanding my body limitations um, 
and yeah, really, I guess, making sure my muscles are uh, strong and able to, I guess, be flexible and um, strength at the same time. Um, but um, yeah, I started swimming quite early, um, so I was probably 11 um, when I kind of, 10, 11, when I guess my parents decided to chuck me in the water. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it's like a pretty slow start. I kind of like struggled to move my arms and legs at the beginning and yeah, it was really about um, feeling free in the water and I guess that's one of the reasons why they, um, mainly for health reasons, um, to do with uh, my disabilities and, my, and asthma as well was I guess one of the main reasons but um, I felt like a lot freer, freer in the water. I could actually move properly and I could kind of, um, yeah, move without any kind of uh, problems or um, or any um, kind of sense of limitations, which is, um, I guess, typical of a lot of people with disability when you um, put them in the water because you, um, yeah, you you're moving without gravity, which is um, which is great. But um, but yeah, I've, I've had a pretty full life to date um, with uh, with my swimming and um, yeah, looking forward to I guess the, the what the future holds. Yeah, you've you, <laughs> so modest. You claim, yes, I've had a pretty full life, and your goals are a fifth <laughs> Olympics and a an MBA in the year twenty twenty. My goal was um, better posture. So, <laughs> like as I sit here, I should stretch back. Um, yes. So disability is one thing, but I think it's more important for people to understand what people are actually capable of, and and not just what what. The dis- like, what is that for you, I guess? Like, I've, I've worked in the disability sector, so I know this from a lot of the people that I've worked with, how they like to be seen. But, you know, it's a podcast and you can put it out there from, from your yeah. words and how, how that, I don't know, what does it mean <laughs> for you and what, what sort of terminology do you like people to use or what should they just expect from you? Um, I guess, yeah, that you don't want to be seen as someone different. It's um, hmm. more just about, I guess, working out what... Um, how you can get there and how you can do it um, just a different way. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, everyone's, everyone's different. Everyone kind of does things differently. Um, Every single person has limitations. Yeah, so it's like not really... Uh, to put a label on it is a bit... It's silly, is, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit, bit, um, a bit uh, old-fashioned. <laughs> um, yep. So it's really about, I guess, changing people's attitudes and kind of... Um, yeah, it's great, to, I guess, to have, like, the word disability out there is a bit a bit much these days but I can understand you kind of need to distinguish somehow um but um yeah it's really about I guess being known as like I know uh differently abled or um someone yeah there's not quite a there's there's not quite a word for it but um yeah it's really about I guess changing attitudes and really kind of understanding that yeah everyone's different everyone kind of does things a different way but it's um yeah, it's really about, I guess, accepting people for who they are. And, um, yeah, you can do anything you kind of set your mind to. It's just really about, I guess, finding out a way to get there and how to get there and and um, and using, I guess, the tools and the people around you to get to that um, destination. Because, yeah, some um, life can be tricky, but um, at the end of the day, it's, like, really about, I guess, the attitude and the um, mindset I guess you take into the situation that um, really changes um, the outcome at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, coming back to what you were talking about, like with, with ensuring that your muscles are, you know, flexible and strong and all of that sort of stuff, and I wanted to talk about um, how smart technology is is 
being used now to sort of better enable health and wellness of people. And But it, on top of that, like even in the workplace, um, you know, people are talking to us about we need connected solutions so that uh, um, our people are healthier, they feel better, but also so that we're getting like better performance. And I just thought like there are so many parallels between health, wellness and performance um, and what you do as a swimmer that I thought we could we could touch on. So as a swimmer, you've got a routine that ensures you maximise your wellness and your top performance. And I saw a post about your routine before 8am yeah. and I had about 17 steps. So can you tell us what that routine is in the morning and what can businesses learn from that? Yeah, I guess um, my life's kind of relatively structured, obviously, um, in sport and in business, in, like you're looking at like improving that one percenters, um, more so in the sporting spectrum. And um, yeah, it's really about I guess being organised and having a real good work-life balance. Um, for me, I get up at uh, ten to five every morning. Um, I go to training and train from um, five thirty to seven thirty a.m. Um, so we do cover about well, about five k's roughly per session. Um, and um, yeah, then I go to work and start work about eight o'clock. Um, going from 8, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Um, um, every day um, and then um, go back to training afterwards um, for about 4 o'clock till, um, till 6 and then um, head home and go to bed. But, um, yeah, so it's very, um, I guess, structured and, um, yeah, it's really about getting a good work-life balance and really kind of understanding um, where you kind of can fit in um, the health and wellness side of things and um yeah in swimming and in sport uh we look at the one percent as uh, as uh uh as changing um our perception of what um the success or failure um and um yeah it's really about i guess no leaving not leaving any stone unturned um in your quest for success and uh it's yeah it's really about i guess being mindful of what what you put in your body and what you kind of um, do on a daily basis um, and make sure you, I guess, you've got a healthy mind and healthy body to be able to, I guess, get into that routine and, and really kind of um, understand um, how to improve um, yourself as a, as a person. And, um, yeah, it becomes pretty prevalent in, um, in sport uh, to really kind of um, look after your body and look after your mind and... and um, yeah, and really um, kind of take the people on the journey with you because uh, it's, yeah, it's a lonely world out, out there um, in sport and it's really pivotal. Like, it doesn't take one person to get there. It takes a, a, a whole army. And um, for me, it's, yeah, my whole career has been about, I guess, taking people on that journey and um, whether it's my parents, my friends, um, my co-workers, um, the people I train with, it's, yeah, it's really about, I guess them understanding where I want to go and me understanding where they want to go and kind of getting the best out of, out of both worlds. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But you, your post also included things like your nutrition. Yeah. So like when when in that, you know, 15 minutes between the end of swimming and the start of work, like what you what you eat and is a meal's sort of a crucial like a meal's time do they a crucial part of the nutrition and is this you know we're seeing trends in like places like google and um big consulting firms that they they provide really healthy meals now because um for them to improve the health and wellness of their 
um, people and for them to improve the performance of their people, feeding them yeah. good food at the right time seems to be, a, a, you know, a, a good win for them. And, and they're, they're taking that straight out of, you know, an athlete's playbook. Yeah, like, I, I definitely, I guess it's kind of um, automatic these days, but um, for me, I guess, yeah, I find that um, I eat pretty clean meals. I don't eat, like, processed foods or um, fried foods, and uh, I really feel, I guess, by me eating um, healthy and, and really um, looking at what I eat um, and at certain times and um, what I put in my body... It, really helps me I guess be switched on um for the tasks at hand and really kind of able to get the most out of my body because um yeah if you're tired if you're you're hungry if you're uh sleepy um you're not going to I guess perform at the best of your ability so it's really about I guess understanding what your body needs and uh, obviously places like Google and and the like have obviously done their done their research but um yeah like you said it's definitely out of the sporting playbook and um yeah if you can have healthy uh, healthy uh, colleagues and healthy um, people that you're employing, um, you're going to, I guess, get better productivity out of out of your workforce. Mm-hmm. Good answer. Um, now, analytics is also a common topic for us. And if for us, it's usually about the analytics of a space or a building. But I wanted to ask you, what sort of performance analysis and wellness metrics are you keeping on yourself? Like, are you, are you doing anything on sleep um, throughout the night or, you know, those sort of emotional scales that they do for athletes? Like what sort of um, data and, and analytics are you keeping a really cl- close eye on? Uh, yeah, like I monitor, I guess, my training load and kind of uh, I log um, how much training I do and um, we um, rate, I guess, how our sleep was and um, we kind of uh, log how how much sleep we've had and I also use a Fitbit as well mm-hmm. um, to kind of monitor my sleeping patterns and heart rate and um, and steps. Um, so I guess the main three that I use. Um, it's um, definitely helpful to kind of monitor your sleep and monitor um, your heart rate as well with your sleep because it really can kind of pick up if you're fatigued or um, if you're getting sick or if you're, uh, yeah, um, becoming unwell and all that kind of stuff. It's um, a good kind of metric to kind of tap into and really kind of understand about your own body because I think at the end of the day you only know you um no one else does and it's really about i guess making sure that you can have that data um in front of you to be able to kind of understand how your body works and what best um how it's best able to get the best out of um out of you as a as a person and um yeah it's really about i guess um trying to be true to yourself as well because um yeah there's all the data in the world that you can kind of collect but at the end of the day it's up to us to kind of really understand how we tick as individuals and um, really being, I guess, honest and, and open with, with ourselves to be able to get the best out of um, who we are. Yeah, as an athlete, even despite all the data you do tend to, and what I've observed, um, with ath- working with athletes in the past is that athletes tend to get a pretty good intuition about their body anyway. Yeah. Like, you might be standing there measuring them and they could tell you what their heart, what their heart rate is right now or they could tell you what their... Um, their VO2 max performance might be on that day. It's it's crazy that the the more elite the athlete, the more intuition they tend to have about the numbers anyway. Yeah, and, and I guess you you also find that sometimes they won't listen because they're so tuned into their yeah. what they do. So <laughs> like, I guess happen. it's kind yeah. of a fine line. Yeah. But um, 
yeah, it's definitely um, the analytical side of things is definitely um, beneficial um, to sport and, and business and, um, in, and, and life. It's definitely, I guess, coming on in, in leaps and bounds and it's like, I guess, more so about us as individuals understanding the data and how it kind of fits into play. Because, yep. um, um, yeah, it's all, all well and good to wear a Fitbit or Apple Watch, um, but if you don't know what you're looking at, makes it very difficult yeah well it's the same thing in buildings as well yeah now tell me a little bit more about your current role and how do you apply what you've learned through swimming and speaking to this current role at Westpac yeah so my current role um, is um, business implementation manager so essentially it's uh, projects and process improvement um, related uh, and um, yeah I work out of the customer contact center um, so we touch all brands of the Westpac group. Um, and, um, yeah, any change, I guess, that comes through the contact centre that's related to us, um, uh, we have to kind of implement and um, communicate to the to wider group and the bankers and um, make sure that, I guess, they um, are across everything and uh, the changes are all um, above board and, and, and uh, with uh, no risk and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, it's definitely, like has synergies for sport um uh, the discipline and the i I guess the time management and the the goal setting and um and the the value add and all that kind of stuff i guess comes into play when you're kind of looking at what you do um on a daily basis um in the corporate environment and yeah it's really about i guess for me it's really about understanding um how to kind of uh implement that um, from a sporting environment into my working life and um, yeah it's um, yeah it's uh, it's definitely a lot of synergies and definitely kind of uh, helps with um, with uh, my daily daily working life and um, in terms of the motivational speaking it's um, yeah it's, it's great to I guess um, it sounds like a bit of a breakaway from the day in day out project and process management. Motivational speaking sounds like miles away from that. Yeah, but it's more about I guess um, telling people I guess what I've learned in my life and kind of um, putting a bit of a spin on um, yeah, making I guess simplifying I guess mm-hmm. what I've achieved and uh, how I've kind of got there and and why I've got to where I've got um, through I guess what kind of processes that I've used and. Um, yeah, it's really trying, I guess, uh, not so much harp on, I guess, my experiences, but more on the, I guess, the process that I've used to get there. And um, yeah, it's um, it's great to, I guess, be able to do something that's totally different and to be able to, I guess, share my journey um, with people, um, not just my achievements, but I guess the method that I've got to get there and um, how I've kind of understood that uh, m- my career is not just about results but it's also, it's about like what you learn from it and how you kind of use that journey to I guess move forward in a um, meaningful way I guess. Yeah um, you do a lot of talks to businesses and government organizations right so, so what are those talks about and what are you trying to educate people about so but mainly the process like what what makes <coughs> your talks unique to other professional speakers? Uh, yeah it's mainly about the process I guess that I go through um, and how I kind of um, got to where I've got. Um, do people recognise you? Like, do they, I mean... <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> they don't? No? No, I guess um, most of the people that I kind of talk to, they're more captivated about, I guess, how I've got there and the lessons I've kind of learnt as opposed to the 
the results that I've gotten. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty easy to kind of talk about yourself, but um, it's uh, yeah, I guess they kind of recognize the places and the things that I've done more so than the actual name. Um, like okay. I'm not I'm not like a famous tennis player or or Grant Hackett or or, or, or or one of those but yeah it's mainly about I guess giving them a sense of how I've got to where I've got and how I've got to um, do what I've done um, through um, I guess the path that I've taken um, yeah I've, I've done I've had a lot of obstacles and stuff put in my way but I haven't let that I guess uh, detract from who I am and how I've um, succeeded in life and I kind of try and uh, have the message that um, whether you succeed or, or you fail, you've you've still won. At the end of the day, it's really about, I guess, making sure that you've learned from that situation. Whether it, whether you feel it's a negative or a positive, um, you can learn from any situation and really kind of um, go out from that situation on, on top. It's just a matter of, I guess, changing your mindset around what um, what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, but if you didn't make it to Tokyo. <laughs> I'm guessing that would leave a big... Uh, no, not, not, not really. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it'd be... be um, You're allowed disappoint- to be competitive. It would be a bit disappointing, yeah. but I guess I have been to four games, so it's like... Not like, many uh, people get to do five Olympic games. Yeah, not many, not many people, but, um, yeah, it's still... It's, um, yeah, you have to kind of, I guess, look at it. But, like, yeah, we have, they have qualifying times. They have... Um, times that I have to hit if you don't hit them well you don't hit them like you you obviously didn't train as hard as someone else or you um um yeah you had a bad day um there's like I guess no rhyme or reason to be um disappointed um or see it as success or a failure it's more about um yeah try try again next time or um kind of learn from what you've kind of done try again Maybe. You would go no. back at 37 <laughs> no, no, and, no. and do it again? No. No. Okay. All yeah. right. Um, now, I have one last question for you because I've always wanted to, I've always wondered about those three little letters OAM and how they come about. Can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, sure. So um, I, I was awarded the OAM Order of Australia medal mm-hmm. um, back in 2014. So it was my services to sport. Um, and that was uh, that was based off my London 2012 Paralympic Games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I won um, gold, silver, three bronze at those games. So um, yeah, it was um, great. It's great to I guess be acknowledged for my service to sport and kind of what I've done um, uh, to date. And yeah, it was um, it's always yeah it's great kind of to be awarded something that's um, so prestigious. And um, yeah, it was. Um, it was awarded on the Australia Day honor list um, in 2014, and you go to like a ceremony um, in each st- in your home state um, for about maybe 50 or 40 other people, um, and you get presented with a uh, a pin mm-hmm. um, and a medallion, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, it was great great to I guess be recognised for um, for my services to sport. But yeah, if you feel a bit guilty because like you haven't helped find a cure for a disease or you haven't helped um <laughs> helped find a new new black hole or a new um a new star um but I guess when you kind of think back when I think back on my career like I've done 
I've been on the national team for 18 years. I've, I've competed in my, for my country for like 19, 20 years. So it's kind of, um, you don't feel as guilty when you kind of, when I kind of look back on like kind of what I've done, but it's, um, yeah, well, it's and humbling. And people, people <laughs> we need a range of things to look up to. You know yeah, I mean? you don't. You, you can't be all one-dimensional all, all the time, and yeah. so I'm good to have, I guess, a variety of things to be able to uh, look up to, and and for um, the general community to look up to as well. Yeah, and I think I think that's a really special kind of little thing to be awarded um, in recognition of the service that you've done to to sport and to I guess the broader community. So that's that covers all of my questions. Did you have anything that you wanted to add? Um, leading into your next twelve months, I guess anything that you wanted to add, you can you can absolutely plug your <laughs> speaking gigs if you like. Um, yeah, I just I guess um, yeah, next twelve months is very busy, and um, yeah, if anyone wanted to hear me speak and like learn about my journey and learn, I guess about what I have achieved and the lessons I've learnt, um, feel free to I, I guess reach out. Um, uh, I have um, a LinkedIn presence, so if you just um, search Matt Levy, um, you should be able to find me. Um, um, but um, yeah, it's really for me. It's really about kind of um, being the best version of myself and being um, the best person that I can be. And um, whether that's um, in the pool, whether that's um, in education, whether that's at, at, at um, my day job, it's um, yeah, really about I guess uh, ticking off those one percenters and really. Um, understanding how you can kind of add value to to your lives um, uh, day in, day out. Great. Thank you so much. Good luck with the campaign for Tokyo 2020. I I really hope that you get there because it would be good (laughs) to see someone with five Olympics under their belts. That doesn't really happen very very often. Um, So, yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me.